The spirit of performance is what defines Acura. And now, it's electric. Introducing the ZDX, Acura's most powerful SUV yet. Crafted using the same formula that brought them electrified supercars and multiple IMSA championships, the ZDX has track-tested performance that packs an energy all its own. Unlock the energy and order yours at Acura.com. Delve into the shadows of the mind with Sleeping Dogs, a gripping murder mystery starring Academy Award winner Russell Crowe. Now available on digital. Crow portrays an ex-homicide detective, unraveling a brutal murder he can't recall. Uncovering secrets from his past, he learns a chilling truth. It's best to let sleeping dogs lie. Visit sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery to watch Sleeping Dogs, now on digital. That's sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery. Hello and welcome to Baseball Barbecast, the only baseball podcast in the world. At the winner meetings, I'm Jake Pence. That's Jordan Schusterman, and we've never lost. Winners only here in Nashville, Tennessee, at the most uh, over-the-top resort that I certainly have been to in quite some time, known as the Opryland here. Is it in Nashville? Sort of, technically. It's certainly closer to Nashville than any other major American city. Uh, Good morning, Jake. It's Monday. We're going to do a baseball podcast. We're going to do a lot of baseball podcasts this week. Are you excited about that? I'm very excited. For those of you who don't know, the winter meetings are an excuse for the entire baseball world to be in one place for a couple of days in early December. It happens every year. It's always at a resort the size of 25 football stadiums. (laughs) And it's very, it's a maze. Uh, And do things happen at the winter meetings? Are there transactions and trades and signings? Yes. But the reason this exists is so people like us can see other people like us. Um, And so it might not be the most important, relevant thing for you, the listener, but just know that for the baseball industry, there is real purpose and meaning to these days. Yes, yes, because it is uh, definitely an an opportunity for people to meet face to face, even though I'm sure most of the uh, trade related negotiations are happening on the same way that they would if they were across the country from each other, even if they're in suites next door. I'm certain that a lot of the uh, transactions that will happen will happen just in the same way that they would have anyway. But that's fine. I'm, yeah. I'm, gl- I'm very excited to be here. I'm very happy to be here. I'm glad we're here podcasting all week. We're doing a couple pods every day. And uh, we already have something to talk about. That's true. We <laughs> will we will get to. That's, of course, the main transaction we have, the, the Mariners and Braves trade that dropped uh, late on Sunday night. Uh, but we'll also, you know, preview what else we expect to maybe hopefully see. You know, if that's the only thing that happens here, that would be disappointing. So um, especially for me personally. So we will uh, get into all that. But but any other uh, scene setting we, we need to do here? I mean, it's uh, again, yeah, we'll, like this- we'll set the scene. I just want to one more thing about the winter meetings is like many things in society. It is an appendage of the past mm. where the, the winter meetings exist because in 1960, whatever the hell. They there were phones, I believe. Yeah. But shouts out to Alexander Graham. Yeah. Uh, but if you wanted to, com- you know, ma- make a trade, it was much easier to do that in person. So they would all go to all the GMs. We go to one place and they would have a bunch of whiskey and they would make all the trades mm-hmm. and then they would go home. Mm-hmm. Now that we have these things called cell phones, mm-hmm. it's not as necessary anymore. Yep. And so but just like uh, uh, managers wearing uniforms in the dugout, mm-hmm. it endures the test of time mm-hmm. for no reason. Mm-hmm. 
Uh, and so just a little bit of behind the scenes, that is why the winter meetings exist the way that they do. Yeah. And I think, you know, now that we have the GM meetings that kind of start the offseason, that's where a lot of trade talks kind of start to formulate. But you won't actually hear the GMs and, and Pobos actually say what they're up to. But it does feel like this does seem to spur action. And I would say in this case, it seems like stuff has been bubbling. And the reason why a lot of stuff is held up is, of course, on the Otani front, which we'll get to. But it does feel like, at the very least, there are some teams that are saying, all right, fuck it. Like, we got to start doing something to our roster. We, there's a lot of work to do. There's a lot of free agents out there. There's a lot of things that we want to change. And so I think we will start to see some action. I think more likely on the trade front yeah. uh, this week. But, I mean, last last year, we had a lot of free agency action we did. at the winter meetings. So yes, we did. maybe maybe that will happen uh, again. If you work for an athleisure company mm-hmm. and you're not selling as many quarter zips as you want. This is a great place to go. Get on, get on over be here. Hawking it real easy uh, over here. Everyone's looking for for a new fresh, new fresh quarter zip. All, all kinds. You're of, wearing one right now. I, I am. I wouldn't call it. But mine is not in in the athleisure category. It's a little bit more warm. Uh, but and I might regret that as as if the hot stove continues to heat up, I yeah. will be sweating uh, yeah. profusely. Uh, but I'm comfortable and I'm I'm excited. Let's start with the Mariners Braves trade, and then we'll make some jokes about the winter meetings itself. Late last night. You and I were enjoying a nice cold beverage with alcohol in it. Wow. Here. Yeah, that's Damn. okay. We're old enough. Exposed. We're legal. That's that's and it wasn't I'm, just us. There were a lot of people yeah, that were. This is where we <laughs> we got through prohibition. It's fine. The uh, Mariners and Braves made a trade. And I found out about it before you did. Yeah. I walked over to you and said, Did you see the trade? And you said, no. And I said, well, you're about to. Which is very, by the way, a nice little role reversal there. Yeah. You know, we've had a lot of me revealing stuff to Jake in the past. And we've had people joke, say, hey, um, you know, do this. We should do this next year. You know, Jordan should be in the dark. But the reality is I am normally the one that is on Twitter more consistently keeping track of stuff than you. And I'm happier. Congratulations. But in this case, I was enjoying... Being a conversation. In a conversation. My my I had not taken my phone out of my pocket for probably an hour yeah. plus. And then but because things are happening here, this is what happened. So did you did you see it because someone told you or no, because I, you did look at your phone? I looked at my phone, which yeah. is okay. Yeah. It's fine. No, 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 it's okay. I'm not the, totally no, fine. No judgment. I'm just I'm just curious because yeah. I didn't see you. You just came over and said, Look at this. I looked at my phone and saw the news, Jeff Passan of ES Penn mm-hmm. reported that the Seattle Mariners yeah. And Atlanta Braves had consummated a swap. Mm-hmm. Your mm-hmm. Mariners that you own, maybe you should, uh, sent Jared Kelnick, I did, yeah, Marco Gonzalez, yep, and Evan White mm-hmm. to the Atlanta Braves in exchange for Jackson Coar and a minor league pitcher named Cole Phillips. There are a lot of different angles and layers to this trade, so let's just start from the seventy thousand feet bird's eye view. Yes. There are two ways to look at this trade from a Mariners perspective. One is that they are slashing payroll because they don't intend on spending money and ownership has given them an edict to get payroll under a certain number. That's one move. The other is that they are cutting payroll in order to make a move later on. Mm -hmm. Those are the only two options for the Seattle Mariners. Mm -hmm. This trade is essentially a salary dump getting rid of the $7 million that were on uh, Evan White's contract well, for this well, year. 50, and then another eight for the next year. Another eight for next year. Which is uh, not insignificant for a player that might not be a major l- again. leaguer. Yeah, right. And then uh, Marco was around 13. Yep. So before we kind of zoom in, 
let's just like quick synopsis of the players in this trade. I sure. think would be helpful for people. Sure. Jared Kelnick, you probably know, sixth overall pick by the Mets, goes to the uh, Mariners in the Cano Diaz trade. Top prospect gets up first two seasons, totally ass. Mm-hmm. This year figures some things out early on in the season, slides a little bit in the middle of the year, kicks a cooler, breaks his foot, comes back down the stretch for the playoff push. Spiky hair from Wisconsin. Still only 23 years old, a lot left on the on the bone, a lot in the tank from a developmental perspective. He's the prize of this for the Braves. Marco Gonzalez was the longest tenured Mariner, back of the rotation starter at this point in, in his career. A little bit expensive for the Mariners who are able to kind of pump out back of the rotation starters like they're a Pez dispenser. Yep. He's probably going to be in Atlanta's rotation next year. Evan White, top pick, given an extension before he reached the big leagues with the Mariners, has struggled with <clears throat> excuse me, injuries and a lack of production. He at this point is sunk cost and they just wanted to get that away from that contract. Mm-hmm. Uh, from the other side, who are Coar and Phillips? So Coar, the Braves just acquired for uh, for Kyle Wright last week. It was basically a Kyle Wright said shoulder surgery. He's not going to pitch in 2024. Maybe at the time they think Jackson Coar is going to could be a bounce back uh, reliever candidate. Throws really hard. Has been a disaster in Kansas City, but so have a lot of pitchers in Kansas City. So you're basically betting, okay, he throws hard, and there's something we can work with here. Best secondary pitches a changeup, but his ERA is literally like ten in not a small sample of major league time. You want it to be uh, three digits your ERA usually, and not four. <laughs> yes, uh, so it's it's ridiculous. Anyway, so that's Jackson Core. Great. I mean, he does not project to be in the Mariners bullpen right now, but if they can turn him into something, would not be surprising. And then Cole Phillips was a second round pick, high school, big Texas righty, uh, high schooler, twenty twenty two draft. Got Tommy John basically right before the draft. Hasn't thrown a pitch as a pro. Was, was highly touted as an amateur, signed for well over a million dollars. But again, it's not. It's a high school right-hander who has not thrown a professional pitch. And it's like, okay, that he could be a real prospect. If he could come back healthy and he's throwing upper 90s, whatever. But that kind of player is not important to what Seattle needs to do right now. I mean, it, it is a real prospect. But Correct. for the bigger picture here, which is Mariners fans trying to digest this trade, he is. it's hard to care much about that part of it, right? Um, and Jackson Carr. So as you mentioned, okay, it's those two things. Let's talk about the payroll part of it. I think there's a, there's a there's an important slight twist here, right? Which is okay, if the edict is we need to slash or we can only go up this amount, you have to consider these moves in the in the context of and this is what's extremely frustrating about analyzing really any baseball moves, especially for a lot of teams right now where we only see the moves that the, the front offices make and not what restrictions they are actually working with. We, we just have no way of knowing that. Just remember, every general manager wants more money to spend at all times. Right. And so in this case, you have a situation where Jared Apoto and Justin Hollander have said at the end of the season, payroll is going to go up. It was around $140 million this year. They said payroll is going to go up now, but how much is up? Because if they are under the impression, okay, we can go to, say, $150 million, it, it, but we are at a projected, you know, 130, 140. Well, then if I only have 10 million to spend and I know I, it needs to go up, the only way it's, I'm going to spend more than 10 million is if I get rid of payroll. And so that is a self-imposed limit, right? Who, for example, what is, how does this, why does this, why do salary dumps happen? Because there are teams that are willing to do it. Teams like the Braves, contenders who say, sure, I'll take on Evan White for 15 million if it means I can have Jared Kalnick for minimum. 
I can do that. Yes. We can afford it because we are trying to make the roster better. Because we, we have the money. And to we do have so. the money to just absorb and do these things, right? The Mariners are operating in a self-imposed limit. And the front office, its e- I mean, it's not easy for them. I'm sure it's frustrating. But they basically are forced to get creative within a limit that is not. But the optics are undeniably brutal. And the biggest challenge here is that even if you've cleared it all this money to do something else, it is not clear at all what that move is. And that is where Mariners fans are now left. We talk about sequencing so often in the offseason. We are now left to just look at this and say, look at this lineup. And think, how in the world are you going to have a meaningfully better roster, which has been the intention, regardless of whatever restrictions you're working under, how are you going to pull this off? And we can talk about some of those options, but that is why it looks so brutal right now. Uh, And especially the Kalnick angle, for him to, for that to be the way to kind of, for his tenure to end, to use him in that kind of trade, and not a trade to get better, right? It'd be one thing, we've we've talked about trading Kalnick over the last year or so, to get better. This is a trade that might make them better, but right now it makes them worse. It does not definitively make them better. Right. General Manager Jerry Depoto is working in a box. <clears throat> he is working with restrictions. He has yet to show that, and it's been a long time, he's yet to show that he could do that. Yeah. He Really, like, there have been a lot of successes and there's been a lot of failures, but there are certain general managers who are better at working within those restrictions. Right. And Jerry has, like, this is, in my opinion, not a creative enough way to achieve the goal. Well, I mean, it's it's incomplete. I mean, I don't don't know how to judge it. Okay, so think about it like this, right? If you have so much pitching, just do Brian Wu. Well, but that's the thing. And that's that's what we're going to see. And and this is what's really frustrating. You're trading away from a weakness. Right. And so that's what they're, they've gone so far backwards with the offense. And by the way, like even we talk about just strictly focusing on, oh, what are they projected for and what players are they? This team is about to look way, especially on offense, is going to look so different than I think like there have been real, real, real changes. I mean, this is, we talk about some of the pitching, some of the pitching staffs across the league where it's like, oh, look at all these innings that walked out of the door in free agency. I mean, the Mariners, the 2024 Mariners or 2023 Mariners, right? Having it's what is it probably sixteen or almost fifteen hundred at bats more plus between Teoscar clearly not coming back Suarez who played one hundred sixty two games Kelnick who had over four hundred plate appearances right Tom Murphy who was a back catcher had two hundred plate appearances he's clearly not coming back like there are a lot of you're cha- not coming you're not going to watch you're not coming back <laughs> there's a lot of changes that, that are going to happen and so they've put themselves in a situation where they basically have to. They, they, there's so much to do. They're, they're yeah. giving themselves so much more work, and so it is an incomplete picture to judge. Yeah, but it's but just it's so been hard an incomplete to see. picture to judge. That's the thing. It always feels like it's well, you know, if the next move is this, then yes. it justifies what the first move was. But I, I think they're starting if they have not already lost the trust and the benefit that, that, of the doubt. That part I from the with. fan base. That part I agree with. Does that matter? Well, that's the thing. That's it's the their job to find the balance between recognizing what the fans are feeling and also doing their job in the best objective way that they can do it. Now, the other part about it is, okay, you say, all right, well, clearly they've made their roster worse and I think they would admit that. That's fine. But also, if they had done nothing, like that was also untenable. And so yeah. they clearly decided we are going to try and pull off this extremely complicated series of moves that gets rid of some contracts that we don't like instead of 
staying pat and doing something very real. Essentially what happened last year, right? Where they ran it back. That's the thing. Or not ran it back and made very much, really minor, boring, shitty additions. Like at this point, they can't do that. Like they are going to do something. Will it work? I don't, I, I agree that they don't necessarily have the benefit of the doubt for it to, to build a roster back to that point. But we know there's more yeah. stuff coming. And um, in the, that sense, it's fascinating. Simply like from an emotional perspective, you're bummed because Jared Kelnick is a player that yeah. you were excited to think about. Mm -hmm. And totally there was optimism there. And when you give a crap about a team, to see a tenure end that way is very, very disappointing. Right. Yeah, because again, if you if you just if you completely strip the the emotion out of all of it and you say and you look at the 2024 roster or 23 roster and you said, oh, how can they replace Teoscar, Suarez, Kelnick, whatever, like Marco, like yeah, like those are quite players with some amount of value, but like in theory you can replace them. But it's so much to process. And what those players, these three players in particular, have meant to the Mariners over the last few years in very different ways for all of them to go out at once is just like a lot. It's just yeah. a lot to kind of deal with now, but it's apparently very easy for the front office to just be like, yep, like they, they clearly have no problem just, just yep. cutting the cord on all these guys. Now, believe it or not, we are not a Mariners podcast. So yeah. let's talk about what this trade means for the Braves. Atlanta yeah. entered the offseason with a gaping chasm in left field after letting Eddie Rosario walk in free agency. Mm -hmm. And they seem to have filled it in a very creative and unique way, taking on the Evan White and Marco Gonzalez contract in order to get their hands on Jared Kelnick, who is a remains a very promising player who is younger than like dudes on prospect lists yep. still. Mm -hmm. And all he needs to be in Atlanta is hit eighth and play left field. I mean, and honestly, I mean, the, the funny part is, like, he could, uh, 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 maybe an optimistic, you know, projection for him this season is not that dissimilar from Eddie Rosario, you know, a right. uh, version of Eddie Rosario that we just saw, who he just hit, you know, 255, 305, 450, you know, with 21 home runs. I would go lower on the batting average higher and probably on higher on the homers, but higher on the coolers kicked. Hope well. Hopefully, no. Let's not repeat that, right? But for league minimum, you know, not for whatever Eddie Rosario right. was going to make. That's a really nifty move. I think he's already said. Uh, I think Anthopoulos already said that it's also potentially could be a platoon situation with him and Grissom, and Grissom right? Yep. So that's a possibility. But but again, it's it's a really nifty thing to just be able to like, oh yeah, like we could just take on those those shitty contracts. And and Marco Gonzalez is not nothing. Like that's someone that can help. And they need rotation depth. They. Mm -hmm. A lot of their younger pitchers performed admirably last year. None of them, none of the depth was veteran depth. And that's yeah. exactly what Marco is. Yep. And there is value to that. If Marco Gonzalez picks up a baseball in October, something has gone wrong for the Atlanta yeah. Braves. Yep. However, there is immense value in having someone like that around during the regular season. Yep. And now what it allows the Braves to do is the offensive group is set. They need to rejuvenate the bench a little bit sign some bench veterans, make a couple more bench focus trades. Now it's time to go get one more free agent starter, you know, or trade pitch, or trade for or one, trade for one mm -hmm. whether that's cease. Um, there is a, a little, you know, you, you want to open up your third eye and it, it, Kelnick in a cease trade. Sure. Whoa. I mean, again, I, he would not be a headliner there, right? No. We know what the White Sox are asking for a ton, but but yeah, sure. I mean, I, yeah. so that's that's possible. So but I think it, it just frees up the Braves to think about one thing now for the rest yep. of the winter, and that's there's that's helpful. Yeah, 
And, and again, when, when you when you contrast it to the kind of move that it is from Seattle's perspective, it is there are teams that are just like, oh yeah, we'll, we'll take that on because we're trying to get better and the very specific cost of these things is not that important. And it's not like the Braves are blasting into the luxury tax. Like they're clearly working within some level of restriction too, but it's still 50 or so million dollars higher than Seattle, if not more. And so they clear and they obviously have a much better roster to work with to, be, to begin with. So because of that, they're just in such a good position. And I've been so always so impressed with how aggressive Atlanta is in improving in really creative ways. Because that's the other thing. And, and as I as I said at the beginning of the season, you can come up with all kinds of crazy fake trades and we'll keep doing that. You have no freaking clue what these teams are cooking up. No idea. And this is a great example of that. Uh, this is not on anybody's radar in, in any respect. I guess you could have. Maybe someone thought Kelnick was a weird, interesting buy low left field candidate for the for for us uh, Atlanta, but this is this is a funky one, and that's the fun of it. I mean, as as frustrating as it is for Mariners fans, like this it's is a very interesting trade. Very this interesting, is a very trade. very interesting trade. Let's take a quick break, and when we come back, we will look at the winter meetings from a happier perspective, at least for Jordan. Talk a little bit about where things stand with Otani, Soto, and all the other big names. Hey everyone, producer Chris here with a brand new housekeeping note about our merch. Basically, we have a bunch of new stuff. So if you've been looking for a baseball barbercast themed beanie or bucket hat, or even a t-shirt with one of those cool pockets on the chest, well you can stop looking and start buying because they are all available right now just in time for winter. Just go to podswag.com slash baseball and don't leave yourself clothesless this winter. That's P-O-D-S-W-A-G dot com slash baseball. And welcome back to Baseball Barbacast. Jake Mintz, Jordan Schusterman. Oh, my God. Barry Bonds just walked by and said wow. he's going to return to play this year. Oh, man. The winter meetings, you just never know. You never know what you're going to see. Never know uh, what you're going to see. I but know. I think I know I will not be seeing Barry Bonds this week. That um, would love to be wrong. Is very true. Don't think Speaking of things you see at the winter meetings, let's just talk about some of the funny things we saw at the bar last night. Sure. Always an important uh, segment. And yeah, again, like. It's just a it's just a fascinating combination because it's when you have the mingling of the media and the team because during the season when you're interact like the the media team uh, interactions team employee interactions is maybe on the field during BP or in the you know obviously you have the managers talking to the scrums and whatever but we're kept apart or, or yeah but this is when when everyone is kind of becomes equal. <laughs> standing Where everyone's waiting for a beer everyone is waiting for a beer everyone is just standing there waiting you know to have their their card run whatever uh it, it is a, a great equalizer hey, and just it, hey <laughs> how are you oh hey oh, oh. we're hey. both just here if, if you're we're not a, oh you're not wearing baseball pants oh that's crazy if you want to know what your baseball team's director of international scouting orders at the bar we got you we got you yeah. uh funny things we saw last night ken rosenthal have you heard oh. of him yes you have Go. headed down an escalator a gaggle of reporters for The Athletic who work with Ken Rosenthal at the bottom. And one of them, mm-hmm. Matt Gelb, covers the Phillies, goes, hey, Ken. And Ken clearly just thinks that Matt is like a like a, f- a baseball fan, like an attention seeker and not someone he communicates with on a you know weekly basis, if not more. And Ken just goes, hello. And Matt's like, does he not? Did he just big league me? I hope so. Yes. Because Ken is... The nicest person. So. Ken is nice. It was very funny. Uh, was, he he's probably got 
more leeway to pull off shit like that than most. Bigger fish to fry. And like, thinking about the, the stuff with like Ken and Jeff and <laughs> there are really in this building yeah. eight people who could break a story. Yeah. Who could break Probably a less than that. Probably less. <laughs> right? By the way, shout out to Ryan Davis. She did have uh, the bulk yeah. of the Mariners trade yeah. from the sky. Apparently he was in the, in, on, the on the plane, the plane the uh, on the yeah. way to Nashville when he broke that deal. But but Correct. to your point, like it is it is funny to just what, when you see Ken or Jeff Passan or John Heyman you know, scurry off to a corner with so, a text, you li- it's hard not to be like, oh, shit, oh, shit, oh, shit, here we go, here we go, here we go. Most of the time, it's nothing. <laughs> but it, it is. And then at night, it's like those folks are not having a beer. Yeah. Because it's like, well, they have to. What if, you know, Jared Kelnick. But, but right. But it is funny, you know, talking to like the Mariners people and or Mar- other Mariners writers who, because oftentimes, and I know this is true for some beats, like they'll they'll get a heads up, especially here, because they know, like, hey, like we want to be here to to hang out and socialize. And it's like a lot of times those guys will get heads up, like, hey, just take it easy tonight because you might have some work to do. Work to do, yeah, we got you. <laughs> Which is uh, very funny. You were laughed at by Jeff Passan last night. Uh, uh yeah, uh, potentially <laughs> from a distance. From a distance, Jeff saw me. Um, from a distance, he was going up the escalator, and I think he knew. I think he'd seen the Twitter video that now has way too many views. Way too that many you posted. Views. Way too many. Views. And he and I was like, "Thanks, Jeff," and he was like, "Ha ha, sorry." Uh, it wasn't Jeff didn't make the trade. Yeah. But my favorite thing that I saw again, you know, we talk about teams, we talk about the media members um, is Scott Boris, right? So Scott Boris is obviously here and the Boris crew runs deep. They obviously, there's every agency's here, but no one runs deep. Nobody runs, they don't travel in a pack in a way that the, the Boris Corp does. And it's truly calm. I mean, it looks like it's out of a movie. They yeah. look like the part of the mob, right? They basically, they rolled in and it was, they're all wearing the same thing. And then Scott's like in the back and it's just, it's just, it really, it, it, I just love it because it it makes me feel like I the baseball world is like kind of not a simulation, but it's like it is this grand performance. Like yes. it's part of the, we are all they are all different characters, and I'm I'm glad that they play up to that because most people just kind of exist and move around these spaces like people. But to have Scott Boris cer- is like I'm a but character. to have certain and this is sort of true even for certain front office members who will travel with at least a couple other of their yeah. AGMs and whatnot. It just they makes me laugh like, every time. They act like they're politicians and they need secret service. <laughs> it's like, coming through, like, coming through. It's like no one is trying to assassinate the assistant general manager of the uh, of the Reds or whatever. Like, right. like you don't need that. No, but it, I love it. I hope it never changes. So anyway, we'll see. And, and, and I assume I, I am looking for, again, when we kind of look forward to this week and spin it forward here, I assume Scott Boris will speak at some point and that is something we, we look forward to every Hell year. Hell yeah. When he, uh, uh, he lets it rip. When he lets it rip and and I think this is a good transition to kind of what are the moves we're expecting to see or not see or, or what what could happen here. Is just, let's talk about that. Let's get the simplest thing out of the way. Uh, Yoshinobu Yamamoto is almost certainly not signing this week. He has met with or he's meeting with teams, not meeting with them here. That decision is not coming. He's relatively early in the posting window. If I were you, I would take Yamamoto. And if you're a fan of a team that cares about signing him, I would crumple that up and put it in your back pocket and I'd save it for December 28th or whatever. Okay, let's get that out of the way. Let's talk about Shohei uh, Otani. Tell me about him. So he's a he doesn't play that field. It's a DH. Who cares? What's the big deal? 
everything else that oh, he okay, does is a huge right, deal. So we had some rumblings at the end of last week that he was meeting with teams in LA, um, final suitors, whatever, and that maybe a decision would be expected at some time this week. Now, maybe this is obvious. There is 0% chance that Otani and or his agent, Nesbolello, are going to be here. I think there's a chance Nesbolello is going to be okay, here. Okay, okay. There is a negative 8,002% chance <laughs> okay, that Shohei true. Otani is in the state of Tennessee. Yes. I agree. Ever? <laughs> As Until they have a big league team. Shohei Otani has never been to Tennessee. Can they get a big league team in time for Shohei to play yes, in that state? Yes, that'll be the first time he's in the state. Okay. Uh, Shohei is not here. I don't think a decision is coming while okay. we're here. I think we will get some sort of rumbling about who is in or who is out. We will get news about him. I do not think we will get anything definitive about where he's signing. There was some speculation that I, I saw Ken Rosendahl had some speculation that he's maybe decided, but now it's about hammering out the contract because what's unique about the Sotani situation is the contract is going to be so big and so absurd that, again, when we compare it to 2017, that contract was the opposite. It was going to be so simple and they, so nothing. They decided before... They decided before the terms were agreed upon because the terms were inevitable. There was exactly. a certain amount of money that no the Angels can spend. Yeah. And so like the way that... There Angels, was no negotiations. Correct. The way that Angels employees, many of them, found out that Otani was going to the Angels was the public exactly. statement from Nesbolello saying he has picked the Angels. Whereas in this case... As Whit Merrifield walks by us, right in front of us. Uh, free agent. Whit Merrifield. Coming, um, job seeker. Job seeker. Interesting fit for, for Whit. Anyway, um, whereas in this case, even if the Otani negotiations and discussions are a very small circle of people in each front office, they will like, okay, say, say this is true. Say, you know, he has picked the Dodgers, whatever. Say uh, Friedman knows, okay, it's the Dodgers. At, great. Now, it, Nez is, now it's just going back and forth about, I mean, literally the biggest contract in baseball history. That's not something you can, you're can. you necessarily going to figure out in one phone call, even if he has said, yes, we would like to right. be a Dodger. And so it is not going to be as simple as CAA releasing a statement that Otani has picked the Dodgers because it is going to be so much more complicated than that. And that is why I'm fascinated to see the degree to which this leaks out at all over the next few weeks because it's hard, it's going to be, it's hard to fathom a contract of this magnitude being completed to the point where we have that and it's all announced at once or they can keep it under wraps. That said, you saying I don't think it's going to happen, I, I have no... I Saying anything with any sort of conviction about the situation is useless. So I guess I am also not expecting it to happen here, but also I won't be surprised by anything at this point. So that's where we're at, Lutani. It is clearly holding up certain teams, at the very least. I would say the Dodgers seem to be a team that could move in a lot of different other directions if they don't get him or even if they do get him. And so that might be holding up certainly the starting pitching trade market, maybe even the starting pitching for Asian market. And Whit Merrifield well. just emerged from the bathroom okay. in a what team jersey is he wearing? <laughs> oh, you think he signed in the bathroom? Yeah, he's signing, signing in the bathroom. Nope. Oh, he's signing, he's signing an autograph is right. what he's signing. No, yeah, that's not, not a contract. That's not a contract? Whit Merrifield close to signing. We could report that. That's Buzz. Just saw Whit Merrifield sign. sign. Saw Whit Merrifield sign. Spot the lie. Dot, you, dot, dot. You can't. Anyway, so Otani, let's move Otani to the side. Let's move Yamamoto to the side. Juan Soto. Juan Soto. Juan Soto. All right, Soto. Let's, let's move to, again, the Boris uh, 
portion of the proceedings because as our dear friend Danny Wexelman walks up to the desk. Hi, Hello, Danny. Danny. Danny Hello, Wexelman Danny. Best. Because not only is now Juan Soto and the discussions about him at the front of uh, our minds, because it might be a thing that happens here, but the next four free agents on the top of the board, Bellinger, Snell, Montgomery, Chapman, Jung-Hoo Lee, who was posted today, are also Boris guys. Not to mention Dylan Cease, another, another you know one who could be in, in trade talks. So there's a version where those are the guys we are talking about in the same way that we were for the last few years. Another hotel ballroom, another year. Scott Boris controls the cards. But to your, what do you think though? Like moving the Boris part aside, like what is the part of the market you do expect to see Soto. start moving? Soto. You think Soto yes. will happen here? I think Soto That's happens while we're here. I think the Padres don't have a choice if they need to get the payroll under 200 million, which is the goal. And I think, and, and then have actual people throw baseballs for them. Then they, yeah, because it's not as simple as get under two hundred. It's get under two hundred and then acquire and then replace six hundred innings. Adults who own baseball gloves and cleats who can pitch, right? Like that's almost more important than getting under two hundred. I think Soto happens here. I think we talked about this with Eric Langenhagen. I think it's just how many different arms can they put into the organization? Yeah, and, and I, I do like that uh, the reporting after. Your conversation with Eric mirrored what we were talking was about. Basically, exactly what we were talking about. Which Every is, pitcher, please. And and the Yankees fans who are balking at, at these absurd prices, it's like I understand that. However, I'm going to be very clear here, and this applies to to the Mariners. I don't think they're getting Soto. But when you're seeing all the trade proposals for Soto, and you see fans, you know, hugging onto their prospects and saying, "No, no, we can't do Drew Thorpe and Will Warren." Oh, you it will be a the the degree to which they will not care so fast if the Yankees acquire Juan Soto. I am so confident. Ask and a, that's true. Ask a that's, Padres fan. That's how it should be. As yes. sideways as things have gone the last year and a half with the team, having Soto around It was like, wow, that's a lot. And then it was like, holy that's shit. Fun. That's awesome. Right. And that is, I think, how it's going to be for whatever team manages to land him. But to your point, like it does feel like, especially because the Padres probably want to proceed with their business in some form, that feels like, the, and because we've had enough reporting about some level of aggression in terms of the discussions between the Yankees, we've heard about the Blue Jays, um, maybe Seattle gets involved, probably not. Cubs, another team that has the farm to kind of go after right. a bat like him. It does seem like there's enough people going for it Correct. and that the Padres want to get that done. That, you know, but but is there I a think stalemate between them and waiting for Otani? No, well, probably not. I right? think it's a team that realistically doesn't believe it will get Otani pivoting early and striking for sure. Right. And, so. and that's also why the Yankees feel so realistic, because they they've been out. Of, we assume that they are not even remotely close to Otani, so they don't really have to worry about that part. They need Correct. to add offense badly. And Juan Soto is a perfect fit for them, no matter how many pitchers they end up putting into this deal. Uh, and that's why I think that that's what's going to happen. And I get annoyed at future Yankees, one of my least favorite things in baseball uh, I love discussion. It. I love it. It's I think hilarious, it's so good. but also exhausting that Yankees fans think they're entitled to every good player on every other team. Just like me. However, hilarious, but exhausting. However, it, perfect, perfect comp. That's why you're at Yankee Stadium all the time. But in this case, I'm like, Looking at them like, yeah, yeah they, should, they should do that. They should absolutely make that happen. So we will see if, if they can find some common ground there. Uh, but I agree that that feels like the biggest move uh, that could happen. Anything else, Jordan? I mean, again, like their their teams do meet with it, as we just mentioned with Merrifield. I mean, not that he's going to sign for $100 million, but th there are free agents that do come here to meet with teams. It is an, an opportunity to do that. Um, 
because here they can meet not only with front office, but they can meet with the managers, right? The managers are also here. So that is a, a, I'm not surprised that some players, some free agents kind of view that as an opportunity. So we'll see if we see anybody else, you know, rolling through at some point. Um, but I will see. I, I think the starting pitching market from both a free agent and trade standpoint is one that I would expect to still move uh, to some degree, even if we don't have, you know, Yamamoto. I think that that next tier down, maybe an Erod, maybe a Giolito, um, I know Imanaga was just posted, so maybe it's a little premature there. But, you know, Stroman, we've heard absolutely nothing about, right? Uh, Waka, kind of guys in that in that level that maybe we start to hear um, some action. But I, I would really like to, to start seeing some more, some more move on the offensive side of things. It's just hard to really project what that's going to look like. That's it. We will be back later tonight for another sure podcast here on Monday evening with a potential special guest. Yeah, we'll see. Friend we'll see. of the show. I mean, there's clearly people around. We'll see. Uh, we'll see what that looks like. But we will be recording uh, every uh, two times a day. So looking forward to to doing that. And we'll see if, if Seattle does, does something. We'll see if the Orioles. No. Remember them? No. no. Jake's like, yeah, they're going to do it. Is it better to make a trade that crushes your hopes and dreams or to not make any moves at all? Right, right. Because the Orioles, it's also like, do something. And they're like, no, we're chilling. It's like, what, what is more maddening? I, I guess we'll find uh, out. You. Uh, yeah, there's, who knows? Um, anyway, that's the podcast. Thank you, Chris Tyler, who's also here for producing. Chris, say something so people know you're here. Hi. That's him. Being in the Uber, okay, la- being in the Uber last night and the, the dude being like, where are you from, Chris? And Chris being like, I'm from uh, North Carolina. And the guy's like, okay, sure. Yeah. Sure. sure. That's a North Carolina accent. Uh, but yeah, we'll we'll be back uh, later on Monday night. Thank you all for listening. Goodbye. Goodbye from Nashville. Serious XM Podcasts.